This video is sponsored by Game Toppers. Turn your own kitchen or dining room table into a premium portable game solution at a fraction of the cost. Hey everybody, welcome to the next installment in the series I'm calling What Happened To. Today we're talking about what happened to 2014. Again, this is where I go back through the most anticipated list on Board Game Geek of that year as compiled by Rick Vineyard and voting on by the Board Game Geek members. And then we'll just jump in. I'll have playlists and all the stuff and links to the geek list and, and mentioned here uh, all in the description below. So if you're catching up midstream, you can kind of get caught up. Uh, we'll jump in right into it. I will skip some numbers because some of them are repeated from previous years. You know, the games didn't come out and stuff as expected. So the number 20 here is Descent Journeys in the Dark Shadow of the Naracol. So I think this is the second Descent expansion to show up on this list. Um, you know, it, it come out. It's it's. I think this one really started to gain popularity. I think when it came out, it was sort of a not a shock, but it was kind of a mid year announcement. So people weren't necessarily anticipating the initial release. Uh, this one, like I said, you know, last week or two weeks ago, uh, it's lasted a long time, right up until the announcement of the new kind of third edition Legends of the Dark. It was coming out with expansion after expansion. It's got the app that came out after a while. Uh, it really lasted quite a long time. I think it was probably almost 10 years. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's was good reason people were anticipating this one. So that was the number 20. Number 19, this one's a little bit of a surprise, is uh, Argent the Consortium. Now, this is kind of like, a, it's from Level 99 Games, uh, designer Trey Chambers, who also did another game that's escaping me. The name of it. I also enjoyed that one. I enjoyed this one. This is a very kind of different worker placement game with like different colored workers and um, very, very unique take on worker placement. And the theme of it was kind of like an anime style Harry Potter. So it was like a wizarding school, but kind of like as an anime. Uh, really, really interesting, neat stuff. Lots of combos and abilities and all kinds of cool stuff. Um, I don't really remember hearing about this game until, until it came out. And I just thought it looked really funky and different, and it really is. Um, I don't know how well this has stayed in print, to be honest with you. Um, oh, Millennium Blades, I think was the other one. I'm not sure if he did that one. Sorry. Um, but uh, yeah, this one's been around. I don't know that it's still readily in print. Um, but if you can find this one, I would recommend it. It's a very, very kind of unique take on, like I said, worker placement, and it's got a kind of a funky theme for this style of game. And it's really enjoyable, lots of good strategy. It's just a really fun game. I definitely recommend it. So I was kind of shocked to see it on, on here, but uh, somebody was excited about it. I didn't know about it until it actually hit. So that was number 19. So we're gonna skip 18 and 17, because those are repeats. We're gonna go to 16. This is Fleet Arctic Bounty. I believe this is the first expansion for Fleet first big expansion. Uh, this really made the game amazing, I think. Uh, this, the base game was good. It was solid enough. Uh, if you've not played Fleet, I do recommend it. It's kind of a combo um, auction game slash San Juan or Race for the Galaxy kind of thing. Uh, basically, you're deploying um, you know, boats for fishing or, or crabbing um, and all kinds of different stuff and trying to like power up your boats. The boats have combo abilities. You get different licenses, which gives you different abilities. And the cards in your hand are worth coins. And so you pay uh, for your auctions for the licenses with the cards in your hand. And you, you know, you buy boats, which are the cards with the other cards. So it's like this huge multi-use card thing. 
Now the first expansion here, Arctic Bounty, this really added, I think just that extra layer of complexity that the game needed. Um, the base game is pretty like even keel. I mean, when I first played it, I was like, this is great. But after a while, after a few plays, you're like, okay, it's kind of the same. It gets a little bit samey. Um, and now I would say that I don't think if you were to like try to buy fleet that you would necessarily need the expansion right away. I think you will get some plays out of it. But after a while, you're going to want to add this expansion uh, to it because it just adds a lot of cool combos, extra licenses and stuff. And um, it just makes setting up the game to play out how you want it kind of interesting. And the dynamics of it are there. So it's kind of like playing Dominion with the base box. You're like, yeah, okay, after a while you get it. But then you add an expansion or two, and then it really comes to life. And that's what Fleet, Fleet Arctic Bounty did. And uh, I don't really hear Fleet talked about too much anymore. Um, I don't know. I mean, they've had some spinoffs. Like you had Fleet the Dice Game, uh, which was like a roll and write uh, come out. And there was like a, there was like a, um, gosh, what was the, there was like a light version of Fleet. It was sort of like a, it was a card game, but it wasn't like, like this game. It was just kind of a, it wasn't even like Fleet. It was just kind of its own thing, like a little set collection game. Um, but the roll and write was neat. Uh, roll and writes aren't really my bag, but, um, I think you should be able to pick this up. I know Eagle Griffin's usually pretty good about keeping the stuff in print, so you should be able to find it, and I definitely recommend the base game, and if you like that, even a little bit, get the expansion, because that's really going to add a lot to it. Uh, so it's nice to see that on this list here. Now, uh, let's see, the number 15 is Galaxy Defenders. This is from Ares Games. This is kind of like a sci-fi version of the Dungeons & Dragons adventure games. It gets compared to those a lot, because you've got kind of a sort of deck-driven, AI-driven sort of... Uh, Overlord that players are playing cooperatively. It's kind of a dungeon crawl, not really a dungeon in this case, but you're moving through different alien terrains and sci-fi terrains and fighting through these different quests. And that's what it is. I mean, it's just like a sci-fi D&D adventure game, like the Castle Ravenloft, uh, Legend of Dreest, uh, Wrath of Ashardalon, those games. Um, it's a sci-fi version of that. It's really fun. I think it's arguably a better design uh, then those is a little bit tighter, you know, and it's just got a little bit more going on, a little bit more crunch. And it's sci-fi, so you can kind of play around with loadouts and stuff like that of your heroes. And different the different abilities and stuff are just really slick. This one has been around. I think they did, I'm trying to remember, they did some other, like, edition or something recently, like a re-release of it. Um, not too long. It was like maybe a year ago, two years ago. Um, so this one is still kind of percolating around. And they've done their own kind of fantasy version of this, which I've not played, which I heard was kind of a mess, but uh, what do I know? It's a sword and sorcery or something. I think it was like really over the top, lots of stuff and the huge campaign and all these things. Um, but if you can find Galaxy Defenders, even the original edition of it, um, I would look it up, you know, and t take a look at it because this is a lot of fun. Nice little co-op. Uh, number 14 is King's Forge. And this, I have a vague memory of this game. I remember not particularly liking this game. It's kind of a dice card game. It's like a, almost like a deck building game where you, you kind of uh, getting these different combos um, together and you get the, almost like a Machi Koro or something, but like a little bit more involved. Um, I could see why this would have been anticipated because it looks really nice. It's got some nice, um, you know, kind of standard fantasy art, but it's it's well done, well illustrated. illustrated. And he had a kind of a dice card game thing. It looked really neat. I think I played this a couple of times. I want to play, say I played it at least three times. Um, and I remember just it not really working out for me and the group. Um, it just was a little bit 
a little bit dry at the end of the day. It was just very dicey and numbery and all that kind of stuff. It didn't really, I don't know. It was like, I felt to me like it was trying to be cute or something and it just didn't really stick. Um, I think there's people that like this game. I wouldn't recommend it personally. To me, there's way better dice things out there. Um, but I think it did have some good reception. So that's number 14, King's Forge. Don't really hear it talked about too much though. I don't think it's really lasted. Number 13, this is a weird one. This is Coin Age. Uh, this was paste, uh, published by Tasty Mineral Games, which is out of business, which I mentioned a few weeks ago, which is unfortunate. And this really is just like a area control game with a, you just need some pocket change. And I think you could get a special edition that came with little cardboard tokens, but you could play it with like quarters, nickels, dimes, and so on. And then you had these little areas and it was on like the size of a credit card and it, you could get one card and I would think it was double-sided say like two maps and you would put the coins out and you could stack coins on top of each other and you could sort of you know try to take over so it's this kind of weird sort of spatial order of operations thing going on it was a kind of a fun little game um you know tasty Mitchell's out of business so i don't know that anybody would pick this up i think this was sort of like an experiment to see how micro can we make a micro game and really literally the game is like a card and then there were rules it was just one card and then if you had some pocket change you could play it or if you had like a one little small sheet of cardboard tokens you just played on the card so it felt like a a little bit of like a cash in on the on the hype of micro games back then because micro games are really like going nuts uh, but it's actually a fun little game i enjoyed playing it it's i, mean, I don't want to oversell it like just for what it is it was fun you know a few plays maybe half a dozen plays and then you, you can move on with it so that's number 13 coin age different kind of thing uh number 12 brew crafters now this was from dice hate me games who was purchased or merged with um, Greater Than Games, but now they, I think they've gone their separate ways. And so I think you might see this come back. I think it's been out of print for a while. Now, Brewcrafters, as the name says, is about kind of building your own beer brewery. And it had a lot of uh, resemblances loosely to Agricola. So it was a kind of a Agricola vibe worker placement game you could get different um brews and different combos with the different brews and you build up your little like you know your store your factory and that kind of stuff so you had your own kind of like a little player board there kind of like a curricula in that way but it's a really good game this is a really fun game kind of a cool theme you know um you don't really see this thing kind of microbrewery type of thing. I mean, you don't usually see that kind of thing. Um, I would recommend it. If you can, I bet you could find this in the bargain bins and stuff floating around there. Um, the game is way better than it, you know, deserving to be in a bargain bin, in my opinion. It's a really good, solid worker placement. A lot of fun, good Euro elements, good like principles of design and all that fun stuff. It just feels like a really solid game in that way. And it's a fun little kind of different theme. It's not set, you know, in the Middle Ages or some European farmstead. <laughs> it's it's, it's, it's microbrew, so it's cool. I would, would recommend this one. I think you, maybe you see this come back in a new edition now that Dice Hate Me has kind of gone back on their own. We'll see what they do with the company there. But uh, anyway, that's number 12, Brewcrafters. Uh, we're going to skip one. And then number 10 is Dead of Winter. I don't think this has shown up on the list yet. I feel like it has, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. Um, yeah, I mean, this is this was this has been a big hit. Um, this is still out, still published. There's been 
one one huge expansion, one kind of little expansion, I think. Well, little. It, it kind of like combined the games or something. Um, really good game. And this kind of was like filling that Battlestar Galactica niche. You know, that was kind of like the only game in town when it came to like these big epic, you know, trader games. You had Shadows Over Camelot and then Battlestar Galactica and then really Dead of Winter. I mean, you had other games like this, you know, like a Werewolf and One Night and that kind of stuff doesn't really count. You talk about like a real big full board game and, you know, with a tr- possible trader element. This, of course, was set kind of in a zombie apocalypse. It had the whole crossroads system which was really neat where you had these kind of story events that would kind of come up. Uh, the, the twist on the trader was really cool and how that worked. Um, there's actually a fix that's needed that was in the expansion in terms of like how the turn order worked because the turn order would pass counterclockwise. I can't remember the exact problem, but the trader could basically wait to strike and just you know win the game if they were halfway smart about how they did it. So there's a way to fix that, and it's in the expansion. I think the rules are on Board Game Geek. So if you you don't need the expansion to play with that rule tweak, um, but after the game been out a little while, I think people have figured out you know that kind of loophole. So, but it's an easy fix. It's on the forums, but it's a really a lot of fun. I recommend the expansion. I think the game is better with it. It adds some cool modules, some kind of you know far out there sci-fi types of modules that are neat, um, you know, and just some other elements and stuff that made it really cool. Um, and it made it really uh, possible to play it as a co-op was more fun because you could just play the base game as a co-op. You could just take the trader out if you wanted to and just play straight co-op. Um, that was more fun with the expansion. I wouldn't really recommend personally the base game just co-op. That's not it's not that much. It's it's kind of boring. You got to throw the trader in there. But if you had the expansion, you know, just do straight co-op if you want. So anyway, that's number 10, Dead of Winter, still kicking, going strong. Uh, number nine, I'll mention this again because they're new expansions. So, you know, more expansions for X-Wing. Uh, I mentioned that last week. So we, we'll probably see this here for a couple of years, I would imagine, because I feel like this game gained in popularity as it went along. A lot of games, you know, they have a splash and then they go away. I think X-Wing kind of picked up popularity and was doing that for a couple of years. Uh, so I've talked enough about X-Wing already. But, um, but yeah, so that's number nine, still going strong. Number eight is King of New York, which is kind of like a new edition of King of Tokyo, which came out a couple of years prior. I think kind of came out of blue. Nobody really knew it was coming or really knew what to expect. This is another one that kind of gained, I think, popularity over the years. And then they came out with King of New York, which to me is not as good of a game. I like King of Tokyo much better than King of New York. It had a little bit extra wrinkle, kind of a needless like fiddly element with kind of two, two city spaces that you could go into and stuff like that. It just kind of added too much. This the straight King of Tokyo was was all you need. I think King of New York's kind of been forgotten about. King of Tokyo is still going strong. There's like all these different editions of it. They've come out with expansions and different monsters and packs and stuff that you can get. So people were probably rightly excited at the time for a new kind of version of King of Tokyo because it was really way more fun than it had any right to be. And then, um, yeah, I don't know. King of New York kind of went away. But King of Tokyo is still around. So number seven is Sentinels of the Multiverse Vengeance. So this, this is actually a surprise here uh, because Sentinels of the Multiverse at this time, about a couple of years, and I think this is the first time we've seen it on the list. So I think this one also did really gain in popularity because, uh, you know, Greater Than Games came out with it. It was their first game ever. I think the first game they ever really designed, those folks. 
and it was kind of like a you know, call it like an indie hit, a cult hit kind of thing. Um, I was a big fan of it because there was not really any superhero games at all back then, and it was just cool. It was a lot of things. I mean, you could kind of look back in hindsight and say it was kind of fiddly because you needed a lot of like D20s to track different effects and abilities and all those things, a whole mess of dice out there. And it, that it could get unwieldy with four players, you know. But a couple of players, it was fine. But yeah, now to see this expansion, I think it, I think it did start to grow in popularity because their Kickstarters just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. They came out with like the Ultimate Edition or whatever, Collector's Edition. And then they kind of like, they ended it and then they started up like a new one. There's like a new edition. It was like a streamlined edition. This was like a year or two ago. Um, so this one's really been kicking around. And this is really, I mean, this is the greater than games game. I mean, they have other games, obviously, um, and other successful games. But this is really kind of their, their masthead game. Um, so I think this one really did start to pick up uh, popularity. So that's number seven, going strong. Uh, number six is Pandemic the Cure, and this is a dice game, and you are trying to basically play Pandemic, but with dice, and you're allocating them to different areas and loca- locales to you know fight the disease and stuff. This one was pr- pretty good. It's okay. Like, it's, it's not bad. I remember at the time there was like a tournament about it, um, and that's, that was kind of a big deal for that year because uh, people were really interested in kind of the competitive side of that. And how you could, you know, you kind of were playing Yahtzee and then trying to get symbols and stuff to, you know, fight different combos and stuff on the board and, and fight back the disease, just like in a pandemic. I don't remember being really that enthralled with the game. I remember liking it and enjoying it, but it was just like, eh, this could be anything, you know, I don't know. But uh, I have seen this one around still. I mean, it's got the pandemic name on it. So I don't think they print a lot of these, but I think they do print them. And it stayed around. So, but obviously, this is riding the, the coattails, so to speak, of Pandemic, which came out five years before this, and was still doing really well. Had some expansions and all that kind of stuff. So, but we're gonna see Pandemic Legacy probably gonna show up here uh, a couple of years after this, and I expect that would be on an anticipated list, depending on when it was announced and came out. And it might have been in, within the confines of a year, uh, but we'll see. That's number six. Number five is Shadows of Brimstone. Um, this one, yeah, this is in my top 10 games of all time. Uh, this is still a really vibrant community and game. I know their last Kickstarter is like taking forever to deliver. I'm not, I didn't get into that one. I don't really care about Conquistadors and Vikings. <laughs> um, but, you know, this is an Old West meets Cthulhu, meets fantasy, meets aliens and dinosaurs and just an anthropomorphic kind of mashup of, uh, not anthropomorphic, um, oh, I'm having a brain fart, what's the word, anno something, where you have different elements from different genres involved. I can't think of the word. So you got samurai, you've got all kinds of you know Asian influences and then Old West influences and all these things, so now they decide to spin up to Vikings and conquistadors and stuff like that. The game's really good. The game is 100% Warhammer Quest, the old one from the 80s, or 90s, I should say, um, 2.0. It takes all of the good things out of Warhammer Quest and just throws it in this crazy universe. It's You can play these big epic campaigns and just, you know, just go on these wild and crazy adventures with no really like rhyme or reason or strong narrative thread, 
but that will kind of emerge over the course of the plays. I've talked a ton about it on the channel. It's one of my favorite games. I have like almost everything for it except for the brand new stuff. And it's just a ton of fun. It's just really, really fun. Like a pure Ameritrash fun. Lots of dice rolling. Lots of just crazy stuff that happens. You know, you've got an Old West guy, you know, partnered with a samurai fighting a dinosaur and then an undead, you know, uh, you know, cowboy shows up and then, you know, all this stuff and the Cthulhu demon shows up at the end, you know, it's just fun. It's just silly, silly fun. And, um, yeah, I don't, I can't recommend it enough. That's number five. Let's see. Number four is Seafall. Okay. Well, if Seafall's on here, then Pandemic Legacy would have already existed because Seafall was like the follow-up legacy game to Pandemic Legacy. So that must have already come out. I forget which year Pandemic Legacy came out, but obviously it was before this. Seafall did not go over well. I'd never played it. I heard nothing good about it. Um, I'm sure there's people that like it, but I think it was too much at once for a legacy game. And it was just like, you can find this in the bargain bins. I've seen it there. Um, it's this big exploration, you know, seafaring game where you explore islands and new lands and it's a legacy game. So you're updating the board and putting stickers on there. And it's, I think it's a little bit complex or cumbersome, probably is a better word. Um, but it has not done well, and you can totally see it in the bargain bins. So, um, But yeah, I was anticipating it as well. I mean, I was disappointed to hear 100% of people I talked to did not enjoy it. Um, so that's Seafall. Uh, you know, can't win them all. <laughs> um, number three is Myth. I feel like these years are kind of funky with some of these lists. Uh, myth was another one that looked really cool. It was kind of a big co-op dungeon crawl with cool miniatures uh had a lot of issues i think with this first edition rule book i think this company has disappeared though i thought the game was actually really fun um there was like i said some issues with the rule book and the printing and stuff like that to clarify a lot of really important things like big issues but the game was fun the game was really neat there was some smart kind of new fresh mechanics for a dungeon crawl um I would say if you find this one for cheap, I would get it. Just, I mean, if you felt like it, I would get it. I wouldn't necessarily recommend it because there's, there's a lot of dungeon crawls out there. I would recommend Shadows of Brimstone 1 million percent over this, but it's a different different thing. This is kind of a nice, smart, Eurofied, crunchy dungeon crawl. Lots of cool stuff. There's a lot of neat elements here, a lot of mechanics that are really cool. And then you can go find, you know, like the updated rule book. Um, online, and then you should be good to go. Because uh, it's a fun game. It's a good little game. Uh, it's not little. It's a big old box, cool miniatures, and neat mechanics and everything. It's just, yeah, I mean, just a little bit of a stumbling block on some of the, you know, final production issues. But it's a cool little game. And I think this company is out of business now. Or they they don't make this anymore. Uh, they maybe come out with a second edition, you know, but um, yeah, it's a little too bad about that one. Okay, so number three, Number two is Cthulhu Wars. Uh, this is still around. This is by uh, the Peterson Gang Games. Um, this is kind of like your Blood Rage or your, um, uh, you know, area control. Uh, you know, God. What's the old, old world one? Gods of the Old World. What the heck is the name of that? And the Eric Lang design. This plays a lot like that game. Um, where you have your different Cthulhu type of gods or Lovecraft gods trying to do area control, take over the world. And it's really fun. <laughs> like, it's really good. Um, the it's, it's like a $500 game though. And the miniatures are just in enormous and just massive. 
but it is a nice solid game i know they still make you know expansion for this they've done different print runs i know they've run into some kind of financial issues with some of their kickstarters so it might be tricky to find this one right now because you know in between they're kind of in between money situations from what i can gather i don't really know exactly but um if you can find this one cheap because it is a little bit expensive uh take a look at it or have a buddy get it and play it it's a good solid fun asymmetrical worker placement or area control um game this has a lot of cool fun elements to it it's just a neat thing you like these demons are invading earth and you're trying to control it and destroy it but take control of it first <laughs> uh, and the mechanics are just really cool and really simple and fun and just a lot of neat stuff there's a lot of good stuff in that design uh, it's just kind of a shame they didn't come out with like a cheap version of it um but the you know the miniature stuff are really neat they're just ridiculous that's number two number one is zaya legends of a drift system and this is one that's kind of like the firefly board game um but a little different uh it's kind of like a, I, I don't know what to compare it to not merchant of venus but you know you fly around you deliver cargo you go on missions you do this stuff my group and i did not like it whatsoever it has a lot of random stuff in it and to me it was just like just over the line on the randomness um i think this one's still readily available go take a look i'm sure you can find it i know a lot of people do like this one but we just did not it was just too much randomness for this kind of competitive game here um just a lot of other games that i would just rather play i mean like firefly or the new outer rim game um but yeah when this camp was coming out i was like we were really looking forward to playing this one and it seemed really cool and just kind of promised a lot of just fun spacey exploration you know kind of slapstick feeling kind of stuff but again i just think it's just too crazy it's like ah, i feel like i wasted my time you know so anyway that's number one now i did mention i will have like kind of a this is kind of the halfway point right because we've done 10 11 12 13 14 we got five more so i'm going to do kind of a recap blog video probably next week before i do the other one to kind of kick off that one or something because I, I mentioned that last week i would do that so yeah because the one thing that struck me and i'll talk more about this in that in that blog but it's just the kind of the diversity of games and game types and everything over this these last years because you've got like you know Cthulhu Wars, Pandemic the Cure, and then, you know, Brew Crafters, right, in this list. I mean, that's, you know, completely different games all over the place. So, anyway, that's the list for this week. Thanks.